So what the hell is going on, man? <laughs> the internet is exploding more than usual. Depending on who you listen to, there's all sorts of things going on. Yeah, like it's very interesting from a, I don't know, from a person who doesn't read a lot of regular ass news. So I just, I get all my, <laughs> I get a lot of just vibes based news. <laughs> so it just varies wildly and it's very interesting to see who falls where. Yeah, I think that's one of the fascinating things about moments like this in the modern world is when you have that interesting dynamic, right? So you, you kind of fall into spheres and stuff of information mm-hmm. online and that generally doesn't affect things. But then when you have like cross contamination is one way to think of it, of like your friends who are in slightly different or very different circles. When y'all start talking about when big shit pops off, it's like, whoa, like, you, <laughs> like kind of you people start are... <laughs> showing their whole ass of like, this is what I'm into. This is the sources I get into. And you're like, wow, you got totally different shit than me, man. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Like what, what happened to your internet? Your internet broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Palestine, obviously. What are you, what are your thoughts so far? Or like, do we want to recap any of what's happened as of Tuesday or... Yeah, so let's go ahead and, you know, timestamp this. We were recording on Tuesday, October 10th, and we release on Thursdays. So if there have been major developments since then, well, gosh darn it, we missed it. But <laughs> what I would like, as as the resident dummy thick on the podcast, is a little eagle-eye, you know, thousand-foot recap. Like, I know kind of the sketches of, of like, Palestinian history and... and you know, basically Israeli apartheid and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just know the, the sketches and I just want to see where those sketches, right? <laughs> okay. How far back do you want to go or what are we talking here? I guess, yeah, the origins of the conflict, I think. Broadly speaking, we can do it entire. We should do an entire episode on this. We should. At some point. <laughs> Move it up the timetable. And broadly speaking, Israel should be seen as, as a United States style settler colonial project in the land of Palestine. So just like the, what becomes the United States, the 13 colonies and stuff are set up as, as involving this integral extermination project of wiping out the native Americans and that being really tied up in our political uh, ideas about ourselves, our notion of widespread gun ownership and militias and police. Uh, police is a little bit more slave slave society mentality, but still. That whole settler colonial thing, basically they did that in, a, in the modern, in literally the modern era of post-World War II in Israel. So my understanding, and I might be showing my whole ass on this, <laughs> so please correct me if I'm wrong, is that after World War II, there were a bunch of like Jewish refugees in like England and a bunch of other countries were like, we'll just, we'll just put them here and just put them there. Uh, it was a British project. Uh, it was led by them with the Balfour Declaration. This was actually done before uh, World War II. Really? Yeah, this was in okay. 1917 that they announced their support for setting up a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. Is this because of some weird biblical shit? 
I think, I mean, you know, there was, there's some, obviously there's ties to that in terms of like the Zionist movement or ideology. I mean, even from like a Christian standpoint, aren't, aren't there some Christians who believe that like, that's a big deal? I don't think that the, you know, the particular brand of Christianity that says they, they, they really want to hasten the end times by <laughs> making Israel like a full... I don't know, restoring it in some way. I don't know the details on that, to be honest, but... Super normal. Super normal thing to want to do. Haste in the end times. From a particular perspective that views, you know, (laughs) that heaven is, like, so much better than this earth that it should be really brought about fast. Uh, I guess. I think I don't prescribe to that, subscribe (laughs) to that view, but... Anyway, I don't think that they were really the driving force here or, or too much of a factor. So what what was the reasoning? The motivations in terms of the Zionists themselves, people who wanted to set up a homeland for the Jewish people in Palestine, that was like partially in reaction to all the anti-Semitism and all the violence of pogroms and things like that. Uh, You know, there were a lot of Jewish refugees, uh, you know, and, and they were looking for some sort of a, place to do this uh and so they figured you know maybe the ancestral homeland sort of idea it takes off in 1917 because that's uh, and and then at at the end of uh the first world war because of the destruction of the ottoman empire because that happens the there the british and the french are able to carve up the carcass of the ottoman empire into various you know little chunks so in lebanon you have you know, that's formed out of that, and the French are there, and the in Palestine you have what's called the British Mandate, so they're able to sort of do what they want to with that. Uh, and so that ends up getting carried out, uh, and the British are sort of the backers of Israel, like the state of Israel coming into, into play and, and moving Jewish people there. Uh, some supporters of the, you know, let's make this Jewish homeland were explicitly like, this is a good idea because we can get rid of Jewish people here in Britain or, you know, in other countries Whoa. that supported it. Yeah. Okay. You can just send them there. Like that would be nice is what they would say. That's, that's <laughs> fucking gross. Okay. Yeah. So while there were people who were like, we would like to go if we think it would be safer, there were also, you know, assholes who were like, we would like to push you out of. Yeah. We country. would like you for, for you to leave. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of where it gets its roots in terms of its creation. This is very a big time sketching. We're skipping whole uh, big, huge things here. Uh, <laughs> totally, totally. Future up to come. So another kind of aspect of the World War One angle is that, you know, uh, the British were fighting against the Ottoman Empire. Uh, they just kind of used uh, the local Arab people in Palestine who did not like being under the rule of the Ottomans. And they said, hey, help us, and uh, we'll give you independence afterward. Oh, yeah, like in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Well, after that, or actually even during that, while they were doing that, uh, they made a secret agreement uh, with France and the Tsarist Russia to carve up the Ottoman Empire afterward into these different little spheres of influence Okay. With no sort of idea of like, oh, we're going to give Arabs any sort of independence. 
Yeah, okay, so they fucked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was, you know, people really upset about that. Then they turn around and say, also, we're going to do, like, a homeland for a completely other group of people here in your place. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Just so you know. So once they set that up, mandatory Palestine, this is run by the British Empire, you have more and more Jewish immigration. And then there's kind of successive waves of Arab revolts against British rule. And then basically this culminates in the 1948 Palestine War, out of which comes the establishment of the state of Israel. They basically, they win. uh, And in the process, bring about this major event called the Nakba, where by winning, they say, okay, well, now we have the problem of all these Palestinian people being here, uh, which their logical conclusion as again, like settlers who came to someone else's land and started taking over so much so that they eventually literally took the place over and made their own state. Mm-hmm. Their next logical step was, okay, we need to get rid of people who we, t- who the people who we took this from, like they don't need to be here anymore. And so the term Nakba refers to it's the disaster or the catastrophe when they forcibly removed uh, and displaced permanently the majority of Palestinian Arabs in the region. Holy shit. The, they expelled uh, some 700,000 Palestinians, about half of the population fleeing their homes because there were these Zionist militias going around to, you know, lost all their shit. You know, whatever they could carry, basically, they destroyed villages uh, or they were just empty ghost towns. Uh, They literally, like, erased a lot of these towns. Like, they renamed them Jewish, like, ancient biblical names. Wow. But they didn't even really know where these places were. They just gave them that name so that it Mm. wouldn't be the original Palestinian name. There's tons of places like this in Israel now. Terrible shit. So this is, like, sort of the original... I mean, I guess you do have that prior part where they're moving in, but I think this is the, like, really catastrophic, like, unforgivable thing. Yeah, yeah. They they took a look at America's manifest destiny and was like, we're doing that again. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's the similarities are striking. I mean, if you think about uh, the Revolutionary War, you know, fighting for independence and setting up your country and all that, on the other side... If you look at the breakdown of which Native American tribes fought for the British versus which ones fought for the U.S., there's a discrepancy. (laughs) Most of them fought for the British uh, because one of the big things that precipitated uh, the revolution was the British were placing limits on how much America could, how much the colonists could expand uh, westward because they were going out there and taking more native american land provoking more conflict because that's what happens when you take somebody's fucking house yeah Yeah. and and so the british were like we're not paying for that anymore we're not gonna go out there and save your ass every time you guys get some people murked for robbing land and Mm -hmm. that was like well no we want to still do settler colonialism so we're Mm -hmm. revolting it wasn't the only cause there was of course other things but that was one of the things that pushed them down the road totally so it's in the same way that our independence movement was tied up in the settler colonial project. Same thing with Israel. It's there's just a little more drastic, I think, in that it's like literally that year they go on a spree, you know, 
but uh, that's that's sort of the, their kind of creation story. Um, and then from there, there's a long history of uh, different wars uh, with Israel versus its neighbors, uh, neighboring countries who were, you know, uh, who they basically Israel was like expanding, taking over chunks of those of those territories. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the, you had the 1948 same year Arab Israeli war where they were fighting against the Arab League of Egypt, Transjordan, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi, basically everybody. Yes, Jesus. Everybody v. Israel. Yeah. Which was basically in reaction to the establishment of the state of Israel. Once they did that, uh, it was initially kind of a civil war, uh, like an outgrowth of the of the Israelis versus Palestinian like unrest there. Mm, okay. uh, and then once they were like, haha, we won, we have the state of Israel. Then the Arab states were like, that, that sucks. No, that sucks. Not. And we don't like it. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how that shook out. And so then we're going to kind of skip a whole bunch of stuff of, of um, different important, I think successive conflicts, but I kind of just want to give again, the broad outlines of things so we can get to kind of talking about today. That's kind of the creation thing and everything. Obviously, the big theme here is that it's settler colonial, uh, that it's an occupation. Uh, And so at the heart of it is basically that Israel ends up taking over this place and then displacing all these Palestinians uh, and then confining them into what is now known as the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. I've read some stuff about like, the conditions there and like the restrictions there it's insane like they they can't get access to like really basic shit like like medicine they have to go for certain cases like go travel and like that requires a permit and they might just like not give it to you Mm -hmm. um they like weren't letting them develop any sort of like infrastructure or anything like that like they their water quality is ridiculously bad like all kinds of crazy shit like it's it's a prison it is frequently described as an open-air prison. Yeah, I saw that term a lot. Because, you're right, it's totally confined. You can't leave. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, if you... And it's clear that this right-wing, quasi-fascist government... Quasi is doing a lot of work there. I don't really think it's <laughs> sort of hanging yeah. out. Um, <laughs> this, this, this government clearly doesn't want these people. At least it could let them leave. But they don't do that. No, they just keep them there to torture them? Or like, what What the fuck? No, they want to control the borders. Their rationale is that they don't, while they don't want people leaving, they don't want people leaving and coming back if there's too much cross-border activity because they're worried about people planning mm. uh, and coordinating resistant, resistance efforts. Yeah, yeah. Even if they were, oh, sure, I'm going to leave. They aren't confident enough that they could keep people from coming back and... Yeah. You know, thereby transporting shit and whatever. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why they run it like a prison. That's why they've got big, huge walls up. They've got all this surveillance and stuff like that. Like you said, to the restrictions on infrastructure, I think they have a blockade on concrete. Uh, yes. Which is yeah, interesting considering how much bombing the fucking Israelis do. Yeah. Jesus. What are supposed to rebuild with? Right. Yeah. That, and you're not. You're just supposed to take the punishment. Ugh. It's super densely settled as well like that people are just crammed in there because again they cannot leave so that's sort of intentional it's uh it's a ghetto yeah there's in more modern times still kind of like you know 
the two thousands and stuff, there was kind of more uh, conflict between. Uh, they they had like a series of intifadas and stuff, which are just like, you know, when they start kind of a shooting war uh, in terms of resistance. But the the whole, you know, what we're taught in the West as Israeli Palestinian conflict, just like, oh, they don't like each other because of religion. Yes, that is absolutely what we're taught. Is that that's that's not the case? No, like literally. Oh, literally, I don't really, I'm not a big, <laughs> there's probably people that like on either side, they're like, oh, you know, what we really need to do is convert all the other group to our faith. Maybe. Yeah. But the the heart of the conflict is not that it is the Palestinians got their land taken. They got shoved into, uh, to make the American parallel again, reservations. Mm-hmm. And they did not get exterminated to the extent that the Native Americans did. So they are strong enough to try to continue to mount a resistance. I mean, if America had done worse at its project of exterminating Native Americans, we would probably face more of this sort of resistance in the present day. Yeah, totally. So one thing I hear a lot is, yeah, I think even the framing of, of oh, it, it's a religion question, or like, it, it comes down to a lot of people trying to frame it as well there's been bad things on both sides and yes we can say that yeah you know killing happens for sure and in the recent activity like there's been a lot of stories about you know the specific horrific acts of war which i'm not going to rename here because they're gross and bad but i mean from other things that i've seen too it seems like it's also disproportionately reported in different ways depending on your source yeah the right wing and the pro israeli i would say not even just right wing just any just like centrists like most mainstream media i would say i do think the mainstream media is slightly more responsible than the right wing about it but they do basically buy into the war atrocities by the barbarians Mm-hmm. sort of approach it feels it's, super racist it's just it, uh, it's just more in your face the for the right wing you get i mean you yeah get yeah crazier stories and stuff classic like you know first iraq war they're tearing the babies out of the incubator shit like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i heard a beheading babies one today i was like wait what yeah like people have been alleging you know babies on the end of the bayonets since forever uh that's always Anytime you're fighting somebody, you better be saying that they're doing that or else what are you doing? You know, (laughs) Um, and, you know, probably atrocities have have taken place. It happens in a war. It certainly, you know, if you look at the Vietnam War, uh, while America was, you know, destroying that country. Yeah. The Viet Cong were resorting to violent, brutal tactics to wage their war. You know, and civilians were caught up in that, you know, and and I guess it doesn't really put us in the position of saying we need to approve of every war measure, tactic, what have you. That's like not our role. And frankly, no one cares what we think about it. It doesn't change anything that the real measure comes from. Do we support and in what ways do we do we materially support the Palestinians movement for resistance, you know? And you can put yourself wherever you want to on that. 
you can say, oh, well, you know, Hamas is doing too much. I don't like them, but, you know, I'll try to humanitarian aid for the people in Gaza who are going to get what, like, just completely devastated. Yeah, the footage is insane. Just just blowing shit up all the time. Yeah, they and they just had kind of the gall to just put this and not say anything about it. On the New York Times over the weekend, they were showing, like, a map of, like, uh, where Israel was attacking targets in Gaza, like retaliatory strikes. Uh-huh. And just sort of without comment, it was like... <laughs> Al Garbi Mosque, Yasin Mosque, <gasps> Al Susi Mosque, Al Yarmouk Mosque, Market Area. Oh my God! And the, but they didn't really, they weren't like you know. Hey, that's fucked up. Yeah, like they're in a surprising move. They're tar- you know targeting religious houses. Like no, just like here's what they're doing. Now they didn't even bother to go through the motion of saying, and this is what they should have done. I think if they were uh-huh. going to do the respectable liberal thing is. Uh, you know, the IDF claims that these are used as coordinating centers uh-huh, and weapon uh-huh. storage. They didn't even bother to do that. It's, it's they're my just thing. like, no, this is what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, at least try to ju- like go through the motions of justifying it. They, yeah. Jesus. But to, to counter that, that, cause that's what people say. They'll say, oh, Hamas, they are bad because they, you know, do all this planning and stuff deliberately in civilian areas or they, you know. More Where else are they supposed to do it? They're in yeah. a tiny ass place. This is my argument: is like, okay, if they, <laughs> they don't have, they can't build a military base with what? <laughs> no concrete. Even if they hung a sign outside of a former cafe that they say, "Oh, now this is going to be our military coordinating base." What would Guess you what do would to happen? It? <laughs> it would get exploded. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, we want you to stand up and fight us, so that we can just whop you down immediately. Like what? Right, and like. This, what is this like idea of like old school war of like well you know everyone has to have a uniform so I can tell I'm killing combatants it's like I don't think that's going to happen in like this kind of underground resistance situation like it's going to look different yeah and and the United States had experience in its revolutionary war of fighting dirty mm-hmm. has experience up to, through the present day <laughs> Yeah. Fighting dirty in other people's countries, you know, not even, not even to protect ourselves, you know. No, that's totally what it's for 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 getting rid of terrorists and bad guys and communists. And so, <laughs> if it, then then we want to act high and mighty and surprised when people are willing to resort to whatever means necessary to defend their right to exist. Yeah, I think for me that that's what it comes down to is, yeah, I you you treat people like this. And don't expect any pushback. Like, are you fucking stupid? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Increasingly. And I feel like this is sort of explanatory in terms of the timing. Well, why now? Right. If it's been going on for mm-hmm. so long. Is that uh, is Israel, the Israeli government is getting crazy right wing. Yeah. They have defense ministers, people in the government, like ministry, not okay. You know, like in the United States. So our government, the way that kind of works is you've got your quote unquote responsible people usually in the leadership. And then you have kind of crazy random assholes <laughs> that say worse shit that, you know, the, the real people can't say, uh, yeah, some, sometimes we flip that on his head, like with Trump or something, but mm-hmm. sometimes you get mixed up. We put them in the wrong building. Oh, Oops. Shit. <laughs> You're not yeah. supposed to say that out loud, but 
Israel has the same situation, uh, but we're, you know, they, they, they have, you know, loose cannons and stuff, but those loose cannons are getting into the positions of power. And you have like literal government ministers openly saying uh, horrendous shit in terms of the settler colonial project, in terms of saying like, we want a solely Israeli state for the Jewish people and nobody else. That's not okay. Like, in what world is that okay? And like, I hate how you can get called anti-Semitic for saying that, but like, it's just not okay to have a fucking ethno state no, or and, religious state at all. Yeah, and what's anti-Semitic is saying that, like, all Jews support this, right? Or that mm-hmm. to to criticize the actions of the state of Israel means that, that they're that they're somehow tied together. Like, that's really. That's you know, fucking to put not it petty, true. It's rude. It's rude to <laughs> to tell any Jewish person that they're responsible or that they should be tied to and seen it be seen as endorsing in any way this terrible government and this state that was you know robbed from you know a, a people and to be like oh if you criticize them therefore you're criticizing all that's that's fucked up. That's insane. That's fucking insane. Like and I know tons of Jewish people who are like hey this is fucked up. I'm not behind this. Like I saw a demonstration where like you had like Hasidic Jews like at at a pro-Palestinian rally like it's not a one to one. And that's an interesting thing to bring up too is that there are actually there have been out there pro-Palestinian events even in the United States. Yes, New York had a huge one. I saw I saw this interview on NPR, like just a transcript of I guess something they did a morning edition. They were asking about it and you know, saying that some people were very upset that that was happening because it was happening when like the attacks were still going on, you know, the offensive. Mm. Um, and so they were like, "Oh, this is this is sickening and stuff." Like some people were what saying, the "Fuck!" Not the the NPR interviewers obviously played it more even mm-hmm. keeled, mm-hmm. but they were just kind of like saying that it was controversial these are progressive and far-left groups and islamic political organizations have long advocated for palestinian independence you know blah 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 uh but yeah apparently atlanta chicago denver san diego washington dc all had rallies with hundreds of people there yeah Um, apparently there were some scuffles between them and pro-israel protesters i'm sure uh, because yeah these guys are are cheering on you know the state that pushed you to this point. And that's, I don't know. That's the big thing that I kind of want to emphasize. The project of the state of Israel being this project of conquest and of displacement and extermination, that being the cause of the violence that everyone's getting outraged over. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it is. I mean, again, parallels with like the black lives matter movement of, mm-hmm. This is what happens when you try to fucking genocide a group of people. They fight back. Yeah. And it was what happened back in the 19th century, anytime 19th century and before, uh, in any of the conflicts with Native American tribes. As the U.S. was kept its westward expansion going, they were kind of piecemeal handling this and, and you know, and, and fighting and everything. But it's not till after the Civil War they they're consolidated enough and they have enough of a military fighting capability to go really on the march and go out and take out their enemies, the people whose land they had stolen. Again, the success of that from the U.S. perspective is why you don't have that 
a Native American, you know, freedom fighting kind of resistance force mm -hmm. active in the same way that you have like uh, militant groups in in Gaza and the West Bank. But yeah, I agree with the parallel on Black Lives Matter and everything, too, is the no, like, no, I don't think most people are pleased to see the destruction of human life that happened. But some people are in denial about why it happened. Yeah, like I, I saw a lot of, you know, hand wringing over it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, taking power from the powerful is going to be a messy project. I and mean, I think that's something we as a movement, you know, the broader left have to come to terms to like, we can't just like, just say, Oh, no, that's too mean. And oh, I'm too, you know, and I, I'm the, like the worst about it. Like, I'm fucking squeamish, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, I think you have to like the power, the powerful are not going to say, Oh, you know what, you're right. Like, I'll listen to you now. Like, the, right. that's not how that works. <laughs> no, it, it's the the only ways that that kind of works in terms of like a nonviolent resistance is if you have them on a, an unsympathetic enough international stage, mm -hmm. if they're weak in some way that they feel like they have to make those concessions. I mean, if they're fully backed up by a bloodthirsty United States, you know, that doesn't give a damn about your human rights because you don't look the right way. I mean, that right there should tell you who to go for. <laughs> yeah. You know, who who's the United States going for? Okay, go for the other guy, probably. <laughs> Generally speaking. Yes. Generally, that's a big, broad uh, generalization there. But, I mean, I've even, you know, uh, so tell me a little bit more about Hamas, and that's a tall order, I know. But, I, I mean, people seem to characterize them as very, like, Islamic and very, like, like not, you know, they're like, well, these guys suck too, you know, is often kind of the, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the response. And, you know, I even saw something of, you know, someone was kind of scolding people for that. I mean, like, Hey, you want like left-wing groups there? They were there and they got like extinguished. Like this is what we have right now. Yeah. Uh, they were extinguished due to like coordinated campaigns. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at they the didn't hands just of fall Israel. apart. Yeah. Right. They were yeah. like murdered and shit. Israel went to war with these guys. You know, took took out the uh, and decimated. I should say, they didn't completely take them out. I mean, they're they're still there. So let's get into the structure of it. So yeah, yeah. What we're talking about here now is the Palestine Liberation Organization, the PLO. You'll hear it referred yes. to of, which is kind of a coalition of all the different um, Palestine nationalists, people who want to free Palestine from this occupation, and they've been around since the '60s and have actually gotten uh sovereignty basically over like self kind of self-governing of different parts of israel so initially they had the west bank and the gaza strip mm -hmm. and now they're just in the west bank uh but anyway there's all these different groups within that and one of those is hamas no so hamas is actually a little bit separate from them oh See, like, I don't even know this shit because guess what? It's not reported. <laughs> you have to go looking for it. Yeah, they, they break it out like every once in a while. But usually it's like, you know, brown mass of terrifying people. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're just like, these are scary terrorists. Mm -hmm. The reason we're talking about the PLO is because this is like where those other groups that they, that guy was mentioning was. So, so within that, the different orgs within the PLO uh, the largest one 
uh, is Fatah, uh, which is like a kind of a social democratic nationalist. It's a political party slash Mm -hmm. armed wings. That's how everything is in in Palestine because it's survival. I don't think they let you have regular ass political parties. Right. You're you're in the struggle the whole time. It's like we were talking about with communist China is the reason they were talking so much about the Red Army and everything. You had to. Everyone was in it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're they're sort of they're the largest faction within that. And kind of the junior partners of the PLO. You had the, like the next biggest one was the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. I've heard of them. Sounds kind of cool uh, because they're Marxist Leninists. Ah, that's why they sound cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one also around since the 60s, they're a lot smaller. I mean, if you look at the like proportion of people in, in, in the government or what have you, if you look at the council of just PLO kind of guys, you end up with like mostly Fatah or whatever. If you look at the overall, so this is complicated. I'm sorry. I'm butchering it. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Uh, But so this is complicated. Here's a big deal. Uh, So Hamas uh, rises in 1987 uh, as sort of a, well, it's, it's more Islamist. So it's more like Islamic um, fundamentalist. uh, And, but it's still within the same Palestine nationalist tradition. They still want, they're fighting the occupation. Yeah, uh, they just did this from a more religious fundamentalist appeal. So rather than kind of the more secular style of um, Fatah and the rest of the PLO, because uh, you not only had the the Popular Front guys, you also had the Democratic Front, which was also a, like a different. They I think end up being more Maoist or something. Yeah. Uh, so you had, and you also had like a socialist Palestine, Palestinian People's Party all within the PLO, you had these alternatives that spent a lot of time, you know, fighting in multiple conflicts against the Israeli government and getting hammered down. Um, Hamas arises out of that. Israel didn't like them because they're Palestinian nationalists, but they also didn't hammer them as hard. It was almost like a preferred opposition. Do you think it was preferred because they knew they could turn people against them easier? At least that was probably the thinking, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, people are, people are finding out now or have already known that again, it's, it's what we've got. It's what the Palestinian people have in terms of fighting for their freedom. Is it perfect? I I would not say so, but it doesn't matter what we think about. Oh, it should be just right. Or, Oh, you know, they need to fix these errors. The primary uh, antagonism here is between the Palestinian people yearning for freedom and the Israeli state denying them that. Who Who is doing the oppressing is the big question to look out for. And I think the answer yeah. is pretty obvious in this one. The conflict is kind of multifaceted too, because like Hamas and Fatah, like that, the biggest part of the PLO, kind of, they had their own conflict too. Like they had kind of a war basically, uh, and ended up dividing the mm, authority of, of the Palestinian areas. So Hamas is where the Gaza Strip is, where that's where the, the offensive was launched from. Uh, and the West Bank, that's still governed by Fatah, basically. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it wouldn't be an episode here if we didn't have a party split. 
Right. And they're both of they're super dysfunctional in terms of at least the West bank government, I think is very like split. So it's hard to get anything done. I think Gaza is able to better administer because Hamas is just in control there. Yeah, that's kind of how that goes down. Hamas gets the brand of, you know, being labeled as a terrorist organization. Although not all countries designated as such. Dude, fucking Ireland is down. Yeah, I mean, Ireland... Ireland knows what it it is to be oppressed, (laughs) and they're on the right fucking side. Yeah, it's cool that they, they have tons of, like, Palestinian solidarity murals and stuff there. So sick. It's awesome. So yeah, I guess that's that's what I would say about Hamas is you really no one's asking you to endorse everything they do. Yep. Because uh, because they'll I mean you slap something with terrorist and then it's like, damn, do I really want to say anything good about them? Like, I mean, what would you call Israel's acts if not terrorism too? You know, they're they're bombing like residential buildings. They're they're doing all kinds of bad shit too. And I, I hate that too because people like, well, that's what aboutism. I'm like, it's still valid. Like, it, it, you can't just say we we're not allowed to talk about the other side, right? Because because these people aren't condemning Israel's actions; they're supporting it. Israel has the right to defend itself. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. You know, and that means they have the right to bomb hospitals and mosques and Same. go in there and and shoot up the place and kill men, women, children, everybody in between kick people out of their houses and just ugh. take the land in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And you said, yeah, it's, you know, what about or whatever, but there's also a power dynamic. There's also, what are they doing it for? Because one group is resorting to what I would say is admittedly heinous actions. They're resorting to that to try to stay alive, to try to, get some, you know, maybe have a chance to win some concessions uh, to free themselves or to at least struggle in that process. I mean, what do you want them to do? Just surrender and say, no, this is fine. I'll just wait to die. Should have voted blue. (laughs) Yeah. In (laughs) elections that they don't get to vote in. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure they don't vote. So, yeah. And, And that's the thing is, that that's why they did the horrific things that we've seen. Yeah. Why did Israel do the horrific things that its IDF soldiers are doing to keep that oppression going? So one group's fighting and oppression. The other one's fighting to keep it. Yes, they're both doing bad things, but that's the difference. That's a fair question. And I think a lot of internet brains have been melted by the idea of just a obsession with morality to a point of ridiculousness. So yeah, like everything has to be investigated for absolute purity and you're just not going to find that anywhere, much less in a war situation. War. It's never good. It's bad. Like it's going to get nasty. It fucking sucks. It reduces us to like our, our basest killing. Just, ugh, just bad shit. Yeah. I mean, you want to avoid it at all costs. I mean, yeah. it's terrible. But then again, I say it all costs rhetorically, but like there, there are lines, I think. Yeah. And morally, you know, you can be pacifistic and say, I'll draw that line at a particular place and I'll never cross it. That's fine. But I think as communists, 
as leftists more broadly, you have to, you basically always have to side with people who are oppressed and you don't get to decide for them where the line is. Yeah, I agree. You know, if they want to, if they, if they can't be pushed any further, then they're the oppressed. You need to stand with them. Yeah, it's super ongoing. So we, we won't know. I mean, Israel could have flattened the place by the time you hear it, but we're hoping they don't. I mean, we're not doing anything materially. We're just trying to believe the right thing, but you should do something <laughs> materially. Yes, definitely. Which I don't know if we can really call for considering the main resistance force against Israeli occupation is labeled a terrorist organization by the United States. That's a good point. You probably would get in trouble for sending them money. Yeah. So be careful. Do it in Bitcoin or something <laughs> untraceable. I don't know. I don't know the solution clearly. We're not good at crimes here, okay? <laughs> no, I'm kind of a weenie. <laughs> Go do your research. Do your homework. Yeah. Maybe some humanitarian aid or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, listeners, you should know that we had to resist pronouncing <laughs> Palestine as, as Palestine un, and back and forth we were like wait which one because there is a town in east texas named that so yeah but they do palestine right they do palestine yeah, yeah. but wouldn't it be sick if their town was just like pro do yeah what if they were like a sister city you know and they're like yeah they just like had flags oh, out yeah. everywhere like on main street <laughs> yeah we're the palestinians oh, yeah. <laughs> so fucking sick oh yeah no what is there they're, the unlikely. slogan there is from the river to the sea, I think. Where, in which Palestine? <laughs> uh, no, not, not the original. Yeah, in Palestine. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't think they're close to a sea. <laughs> from the river to the sea, it's like. Ah, um, uh, okay, makes sense. Min al nar ila al bar. It rhymes. Okay. That's cool. That is cool. You got to uh, have a rhyme. That's slogan. a good slogan. Unless it's it, the way you pronounce it, it doesn't rhyme. I don't know, but it looks like it rhymes. <laughs> we'll take it so anyway that's we're going to petition to make that the new national uh the new national motto of palestine texas <laughs> national they're going to become their own <laughs> independence movement in solidarity like they, they do great. land back to the native americans and <laughs> carve out their own like oh my God. Aut- autonomous commune of oh wow palestine. they give it back to like the caddo people or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is sick. This is a good fanfic this for... Good fanfic. Good East <laughs> Texas fanfic. <laughs> Very niche. <laughs> Extremely. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Best of luck. I don't know. To, I guess, everybody, but particularly the people who are fighting to not be oppressed. Best of luck, yeah, to the Palestinians, especially people in Gaza who are about to feel the, or probably by the time listening, have felt the full brunt of the cruel, cruel boot of Israel. Yeah, it's going to be nasty. Yeah, a big fuck you to everybody supporting the Zionist mm-hmm. project of settler colonialism. Mark Hamill did not pay attention to the theme of Star Wars because he came out being all pro-Israel. He made, mm-hmm. he made like a trilogy of movies about the Viet Cong <laughs> in space. I know. With, I'm uh, like, did you not pay attention? NLF, but yeah, ridiculous. Uh, also, keep in mind, it's probably not worth too much of your just plain effort uh to go do a lot of debates with people that you know yeah the the brainwashing is intense on this subject more so even than i mean people have like an in their bones feeling that their boss fucks them over (laughs) but there's that that doesn't 
Okay, they you can actually have faster. They actually have an in their bones feeling that they are entitled to the land they're on in a country that they actually stole it. You know, and I mean, it just goes to us. Like, we don't really want to like get kicked out of the U.S. because we don't. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not my on some ideal. level. Yeah, that that sounds like it sucks. So uh, what I'm saying is, most people, you know, are, have like a basic settler colonial mindset on some mm-hmm. level. And again, the brainwashing is super intense to where most default Americans are going to side with Israel. And it's really hard to get them off of that. So just, we, you know, we, we have talked about it before in terms of winning people over or not. I don't know. It's, this one's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to switch to one of my dumb things I brought to the table? Yes. I, I like dumb, please. Okay, great. Uh, another thing that's big right now <laughs> is a documentary series on FX. Uh, I don't know what it's called, actually. Uh, well, it's starring Ryan Reynolds and one of the guys from Always Sunny. I should know his name. Is his name is Den- Dennis something. Yeah, it's Wrexham. Welcome to Wrexham. So is that just starting? I thought. No, it's on season two. Okay, okay. That's but I, I watched an episode of it, so ah. I'm late. I'm late to it. I mean, Kyle had it on and all. I was going to go to sleep, but then it was actually pretty good, so I stayed up. Anyway, it's pretty fun. Like, basically, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds buys a football team <laughs> yeah. in, in Wales. And what I thought was relevant, though, was learning a little bit more about how, like, the uk's like football system works mm-hmm. uh i'd learned a little bit about this from watching ted lasso but it was still super confusing i was like wait what there's a premiere and there's like a champions and there's like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> very confusing it's still kind of confusing like once you get up to pro level there's just so many different levels but what i thought was kind of cool is like this is you know an amateur club like the players don't get paid they just show up and you know they do practices they show up on sundays for games whatever Uh, a lot of them have other jobs or going to school and stuff like that but what i like about it is i think this is could actually be kind of a cool model for future commune sports which i think we've gotten that question before Mm -hmm. way back in the day of how how would professional sports work and i I kind of like the idea of it being almost a tiered system of like, hey, if you just want to fucking, you know, show up to the field with some friends and kick a ball around, go for it. Mm-hmm. We can set up a little league. But if like there is enough talent and drive there for like people wanting to do that full time and like there's enough popularity where like, yeah, OK, this is the thing. then yeah, I just I think it's a pretty good model for that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, in a socialist setting, I think for sure, Uh, you know, the way it's set up now is is cool in terms of merit and stuff like that uh but it's i mean it's it's hyper capitalist i mean it's all oh for sure like i'm sure people who don't work second jobs have a fucking advantage <laughs> oh yeah but no i like i'm I'm definitely a fan of the relegation system i i, <laughs> I don't think any american sporting organization does relegation stuff we were talking about that. We're like, can you imagine if like a fucking like company softball team made it to playing the goddamn like Rangers or something? <laughs> That'd yeah. be insane. <laughs> so the most we have are minor league slash college teams. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no exchange between these, you know, so you don't ever get a minor league team that because they're all affiliated is the thing. So they're, they're like mm, farms. They're for, farm teams. Yeah. yeah. And then the 
the college one is just, I mean, it's tied to a different institution, but there's no reason why they couldn't, I mean, if they were a strong enough team, be involved in it. Isn't that what Pumas is in Mexico? Aren't they from? Are they an amateur team? I don't think they're an amateur team, but they're, they're with a university, I wanted to say. Oh. Yeah, they're with UNAM. Okay. But they're also a professional club. So I don't know how that works, but like. Yeah, they were originally an amateur club of college students. That's so cool. Hey, making me like Pumas a little more. Yeah, there's there's a way that it could work. Um, but I think certainly in the socialist context, because you're right, it would give people at different levels the ability to participate at whatever level they want to be. And then to work their way up if they want to do that or just to chill and hang, you know? Totally. Like, it'd be up to you, like... You could be, you know, fucking the next messy, but you're like, I don't want the pressure of that being my job. I just like to dick around. That's fine too. Or yeah, you can, you can pursue that and make that your full-time gig. Like if enough people, if there's enough attendance and there's enough of like a demand for it, I guess, then that could be seen as a job. Whereas like the casual level, obviously less so. I think essentially whatever organizing principle you're doing, if you're doing like you know, more of an anarchist commune or what have you, still, you're going to eventually get your decision-making apparatus going and saying, okay, everybody thought, you know, Team A and Team B's game was fucking killer. We want that every week. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to set aside some resources to set these dudes up with practice times whenever they want and stuff so so that they can present this to us whenever, you know, and basically create a league. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. So you're confused about how relegation and I think I get work? it. I it's like the top of the league gets to go to the next league up and the bottom of the other league gets to go down. Well not gets to, has to go down. Hooray. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> it's just it's always like I don't know. I would get confused by it. I don't know why I'm a dummy. It's fine. No, I mean it just ends up it ends up being like the tables, is what they call them, the standings, you mm, know? So Yes. You're like, oh, they're in danger of relegation if they don't win or draw here. Uh, yeah. That sort it's of like thing. the plot of every Ted Lasso season, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, if you're good. And I don't, uh, I don't know if it is the same in each league or if it's different between differently in terms of like numbers that promote or rele- relegate. But it's kind of cool if you look at the there's I've seen some graphs of teams and like what tier they have been in in history and like there's really big shifts dude yeah the the documentary was showing this one and their, their fucking mascot was like a rooster and they're called like the cockerels it was fantastic <laughs> and they're and the coach is like very rude and great but yeah they were like promoted like five times in the past like 20 years or something like it's like the fastest rate ever wow i think now there's a little less motion like in terms of the big mm-hmm. clubs never get relegated basically at least historically, it's it's kind of cool how much they can shift like that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I like it, too. I mean, I know they have players from all over, but something about it feels a little more local. I think it, it does seem like if you're from there, you're really into your fucking club. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, I don't know, like football here is just kind of like, yeah, you might start with where you're from, but it, it kind of can go wherever. I don't know. <laughs> Like, no one has the illusions that, like, everyone from the, from the Cowboys is from Dallas or anything, yeah. you know? Yeah, it makes me feel kind of a little bit like kind of a basic bitch is that I, I just go for the hometown <laughs> team, you know? That's fair, though. <laughs> I'm like, what? I, 
I've gone from them for birth. I'm from nearby. <laughs> Every, you know, other people get to do cool, exotic things. Like, I go for mm-hmm. the Panthers. I, why? Like, oh, why? Mm-hmm. You're not there. <laughs> like, I don't have any connections there either. I just like them. <laughs> it's so okay. weird. It's fine. Or they, like, really like a player, so they go for their team. Well, you know. mm, yeah, yeah. It's Yeah, it's way more freeform. <laughs> anyway, that was a very small thought of, like, that seems like kind of a cool system to think about. Yeah. Uh, so if you're doing a little, you know, utopian hours, <laughs> I got to bring us back. Yeah. <laughs> Think about how that can apply to different sports, venue, you know, sports, uh, endeavors or whatever. Might be kind of cool for musicians too. I was actually just thinking, is there a way that that could be done for like the arts or something? Well, I don't know because like traditional orchestras have so many power dynamics and issues that like, I don't know if we want to keep doing that. <laughs> It sounds like a nasty ass place to be. <laughs> what do you mean? From what I've heard. Um, like they're petty? I mean, they a lot of times don't do blind auditions. And so like you end oh. up with not very diverse yeah, orchestras. We, have, we do have to do blind auditions. That's one. We have to do blind auditions for sure. There's just a real, it's like still very much an old boys club. Um, and there's just a lot of like just shitty practices in general. It sounds like. Could we do? conductorless orchestras oh i've heard of that where like they they lead themselves yeah it's fucking cool i've heard about this i think there was some sort of soviet connection of yeah after the russian revolution in the early 20th century the russian first conductorless symphony ensemble or person fans formed in the soviet union that's fucking sick it encapsulated the political and philosophical ideas of the time yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, conductors do get a lot of power. Uh, there were tons of stories coming out a few years back of, like, abuse in, in the system, uh, like sexual harassment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what if we don't need bosses, guys? That What if that included conductors? <laughs> conductors, sorry. Uh, you can write in and tell us why you're important if you Are need to. Are conductors class enemies? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I hesitate to say it. Uh, I don't think I so don't either. I just think that if it if it's a position that leads to people being assholes, we might not need the position. Maybe. I don't know. But then again, I mean, the same could be said of like Vanguard Party leadership, which I think we need. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of conductors out there who aren't assholes. Like, what if you just controlled yourself? What if there was just a system of removing people who are assholes? It's like, hey, you don't get to be a conductor anymore. You could. We could. Okay. Here's the synthesis. We do we do yell at your conductor day. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so the conductors go out there. Everybody puts their instruments down and surrounds them. And it's like, hey, fucker. Hey, fucker. You're really rushing this one piece. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Solved. We did it. The phalanstery is coming together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, what else? We have some labor stuff going on. Yeah, what's going on in the labor world? One thing I thought it has to do with the with the UAW strike that's still ongoing. Yeah, yeah. Stellantis, which is one of them. Remember, this is mm-hmm. the consortium one that we were looking yes. up, you know? Like, yes, with like all these random brands in it. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> those guys. Maserati et al. They are mobilizing some of their workers i guess in management maybe non-union 
people as volunteers to scab during the strike. Oh, shit. Okay, so we did talk last time about them, like, training salaried people for this, but now what is the difference, I guess? Yeah, so this is kind of another instance of that. Uh, Mm. In this case, they are mobilizing um, internal diversity groups (laughs) to provide volunteer labor. (laughs) I am just laughing because there's a time when little Christine actually believed ID, ID, what are they called? Diversity and inclusion I guess yeah, is what they're called. or whatever kind of groups were like a good way to hold a company accountable. Nope. It's HR, guys. It's all HR, all the way down. Yeah. Are you thinking DEI? D- yeah, DNI and IDE and all of the different acronyms IDK. for like employee resource groups, that kind of things. Like, no, those that's just HR. Guess what? You're doing free work. Yeah. Here, the communications, this is internal emails that the Intercept obtained. Marked with Stellantis' diversity and inclusion logo, seek members of the company's <laughs> business resource groups, or BRGs, to help mm-hmm. keep parts flowing to automakers' customers. We value diversity in our scabs. <laughs> Different color scabs. You know, the red ones that are fresh, the little old brown ones that are kind of old and almost healed, but you keep picking at it anyway. Yeah, that's fine. Each BRG will pick a specific day of the week slash weekend to volunteer as a team. Help continue to be the resource we uh, the business can count on. Oh, my God. That's so fucking bad. Yeah. But, hey, you know, they let you wear a rainbow T-shirt in this volunteer group. So, clearly, it's oh, fine. And, yeah. So, that's one of them. Um, another, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a pride group. Stellantis needs your help in running the parts distribution centers to ensure a steady supply of parts to our customers while negotiations continue. Working Parents Network has identified Friday, October 13th, as WPN's BRG Day. Cool. So they got the parents parents going. They have the diversity and inclusion guys going. Cool. Cool. I'm so glad. Yeah. (laughs) Rainbow of Scabs. That might be the title this week. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, So I don't know which all of the BRGs are joining in. I hope the pride ones aren't so stupid as to join. Yeah, but but don't do that if you find yourself in this situation. Never scab. Never fucking scab. Are you kidding me? It's like the worst thing you can do. Um, That's why uh, the Almanac Singers had that song about the guy who scabbed and went to hell. (laughs) That's where you'll be if such a place exists. Yeah, so don't do that. Uh, There was something else about this strike. Two more... Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis employees were told not to report to work this week as the UAW strike continues. So they're laying people off um, at different plants. I feel like it should be illegal. Well, they're... I, no, I don't think it is. Um, I think it's... <laughs> it should a, be, it's but... Te- it's technically illegal to fire people for... For striking. striking. As part of a union effort, but it's not... It's okay to permanently replace them. <laughs> And it's just that, you know, once the strike is over, they could get their job back. If, you know, but, mm. but the point is you could hire someone to do the work in their stead. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't mean anything. Great. Right. Yeah. No protection. So, yeah, they laid off a bunch of people saying in the statement, this layoff is a consequence of the strike at Chicago assembly plant because basically they have to reduce their production because it would normally be shipped to this place that is on strike. So they're just blaming the strikers cool same thing with stellantis laid off 520 people 
GM laid off 200 more workers. So they're just, they're just making people pay for it. Jesus. Taking it out on the workers. Yeah. Pieces of shit. Yeah. But uh, the UAW, I don't think this is part of the big three strike. It's a separate thing. But they're okay. also going on the offensive against Mack Trucks. Okay, I don't know these trucks. Mack Trucks? I don't think so. They're like Am the I big, supposed to know them? They're like a type of big 18-wheeler. It says Mack. Mm, it's got the big bulldog okay. on the front. Okay, okay. Uh, nearly 4,000 members of the UAW union went on strike against them on Monday uh, after rejecting a tentative contract. So, Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They've been negotiating for three months, wage increases, cost of living, job security, pensions, uh, prescription drug coverage, overtime, and they want more of it. And Mac is saying no. So it's strike time. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I support them for sure. Support the UAW. Um, If you haven't got on board with the strike fund stuff, if you haven't had the chance, that's a good thing to check out for these guys i mean uaw seems to be all over the place now so yeah that's amazing <laughs> great job keep it up and yes support them however you can you got a lot of things to support this week uh, you got a lot of homework one's Sorry. a little more creative i mean <laughs> you gotta do a little more research in that first one yeah try not to fuck that one up that could get you in trouble <laughs> yeah uh, you'll end up on some lists at the very least yeah i mean we suggested uh, it as it's it's kind of probably a crime, but it's probably also good, which mm-hmm. probably also gets us on some sort of a list or something. Probably. Or an extra, you know, just adds to the We're list. We're already there. Yeah. Yeah. It just, Dave and Dan are just like, oh, another one. Okay. <laughs> Adding it to the bullet point list they have on us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's kind of it for labor corner there. Okay. And I don't know. Do you want, what else do you have? Do you have anything else? I've got a couple things. Uh, one is a tweet from a user whose username is very long and confusing, but their display name is funnier. It's just plague rat with a little rat emoji next to it, <laughs> uh, which I, I just enjoy that. This person is saying that dental cavities are predominantly caused by like two bacteria or bacteria. There were ideas to vaccinate or produce like medicine to get rid of them. Uh, but just has not been economically attractive. So cool, cool system we have. We could just have a no cavity <laughs> pill. We could just or not do it. Yeah, and this person is like, actually, I take like oral probiotics, and it really helps like gum inflammation stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that's a thing. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Just another another thing we're not allowed to have. That's another thing the philanstery will do is we will do the no cavity shot. I'll take that. We'll dedicate the resources, even if it means we have to play a few fewer professional soccer games, have to, you know, (laughs) fund a few fewer settler colonial bombing expeditions. (laughs) Uh, I think I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. It's like when Lord Farquaad's like, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yes. Oh. So we'll find a way to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. A few fewer neo-Nazis in Ukraine are going to get billions (laughs) of dollars. Damn. If only. 
Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of parallels or, you know, people bringing up parallels to that, too, of, of Ukraine and just the double standards. That's, yeah, to me, that's the thing is the double standards part, which is a little tired nowadays, but I think it can still be instructive. I don't, so the mm-hmm. thing with hypocrisy... It's not going to change somebody's mind. Right, yeah. Because they're already bought into it. It can change people's mind if they're pretty much uninformed, you know, or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I referred to myself in this way, so it's not that offensive, but basic. <laughs> you know, if they're, if they're like mainstream and just kind of mm-hmm, like oh mm-hmm. well that's what it said on the news they haven't been exposed to other sources yet. right if they're right wing it doesn't do anything if you have a friend who is uncorrupted <laughs> <laughs> your innocent friends yeah now i don't think it's useful to like you said change either anyone's mind or shame people out of power or anything like that like the old liberal conception of like oh let's just point it out and that will get rid of the corrupt asshole people. Like, <laughs> no, it won't. Not uh, how that works. But it is useful to to kind of recruit people or to open people's eyes to demystify people. Sometimes that can work. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. In in the case of drawing the distinctions, the parallels with Ukraine, the I mean, the acts of war going on there are also very atrocious. And it's fine. There's also Nazis involved. Yeah. Uh, there's very objectionable groups, but that's fine because the Ukrainian people have the right to fight for their national liberation, their independence, which is a, you know, just an axiom of faith for, you know, both the liberal establishment and most of the conservative establishment, not necessarily the way right wing guys, but, uh, the same consideration is definitely not given. The Palestinians definitely don't have the right to fight and use, you know, war tactics to try to win their liberation. No, 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 no. And they're definitely not getting the cool the cool bombs sent to them, courtesy of the United States military. Right. <laughs> they're getting them sent to them, but in the bad way. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting yeah. <laughs> getting sent, it used on them. Right. Sent and exploded. Different preposition. <laughs> Oof. And we laugh because it's terrible. Okay. I have I have two more very small things. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing scraps. No, I don't think you're bringing scraps. Say, we should characterize <laughs> this as you're bringing bite-sized pieces. Okay, I brought... Little canapes. Yeah, I brought a whole-ass porterhouse steak <laughs> that I tried to eat in one bite. Irresponsible. Uh-huh. Okay, but you're bringing the bite size. You're bringing the little chicken nuggies. Yeah, little aperitifs. Okay, well, I guess these are more digestifs because they're towards the end. (laughs) Um, One was just an example of the kind of online brain rot that I've seen. And this, this to me, just like fucking sums up so many of my issues with like kind of the weird prudish nature of, of discourse these days. Okay. And it was a conversation back and forth that someone had screen capped and shared and someone was talking, (laughs) they're saying that these two characters, like there was like a sex scene or something. And they're like, well, these characters didn't consent to it. These fictional characters, the characters. Yeah. Like (laughs) they're trying to say, you can't write about sex if it's fictional. Because the characters don't. If it's based on, if it's like based on your life or your experience or something, then yeah. But if you're just making up people, like what the, what 
is wrong with us? We've, we're broken. We're yeah, broken. There's sort of an argument if it's about real people. No, this was not about real people. This is fictional characters boning. Not okay anymore. Like Luke Skywalker never consented to this. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. What about Jabba the Hutt's right to consent? <laughs> it's insane. Lord Sauron would never do this. <laughs> he would never. <laughs> it's, that just broke my little brain. And maybe it just comes from a place of that person has just been exposed to too much crappy fanfic and they're done with it. <laughs> they just want to outlaw Maybe. all of it. <laughs> Their filters are like really working hard on on archive of our own. They're like, I can't, I can't get anything good. <laughs> uh, I don't know the anyway. reference. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's just a good fanfic site. Well, that's really dumb. It's really dumb. It just we have no literacy anymore. I think did anyone, in many ways. Did anyone offer a more detailed like no? Fucker, this guy, this guy's right because X, Y, or Z. I didn't click into that particular thread. It melted my brain too much. <laughs> I mean, the the person you know sharing the screenshot was like, "This is fucking insane." Like, <laughs> clearly not approved of it. Yeah, man, it was weird. Uh, I mean, it, it's like that one that goes around. I don't know if you've seen that one of like the Venn diagram of like what your English teacher says. Like the blue, the curtains represent blah blah blah. Like. Because they're blue, it's depression and all this stuff. And, like, the other side is, the curtains are fucking blue. And <laughs> it's just like a, I don't know. I mean, this is what happens when you defund <laughs> just education and, you know, language arts programs. When you when you ban books, when you make it all about testing instead of actual, like, giving a shit about literacy. Not just literacy I can read, but true reading comprehension. <laughs> yeah. There's a big reform movement in terms of like the science of reading versus the give kids lots of books and they'll somehow learn to read. That was popular for a while and has since been discredited, basically. Really? Yeah. So like, obviously, there's a place for like, you should read a lot. But there was this sort of hands off almost approach of like, you would you wouldn't teach as much grammar and just sort of be like yeah read i don't know read you know yeah you'll, you'll yeah. kind of pick up on reading you'll you know sound it out that sort of thing and now mm-hmm. there's much more of a i don't this is not my area of forte so i'm not purporting to know the science of reading but i know that's like a program that districts are focusing more on now because the research shows that when you do this even if you're like a state like mississippi which was in the tank in terms of all that education scores and shit has really turned around at least their reading and literacy shit because of doing that. Yeah. So getting more into like, I don't know, because the science of reading sounds more like grammatical parts and parts of speech and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it focuses on how we acquire language and grammar rules and like mm. that sort of thing. It's from my understanding of it's more direct teaching of how to learn to read sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important. I mean, I also think the, like, analysis is important, too. Like, you should be able to understand metaphors and, you know, shit like that. Like, you should be able to, like, read more challenging work as you continue to age. Yeah, we're in a tight spot for that, too, though, because teachers are, to varying degrees, successfully or not successfully, dealing with the access of chat GPT and things like this. Oh, yeah, that's right. So for me, the big change has been basically doing way more shit on paper. 
Yeah. Uh, which is kind of okay because, I don't know, a lot of my kids seem to interact with material a little bit better. It's, I don't know if it's just because I'm a break in the day where it's like, damn, we get to do old school writing down or something. <laughs> but they kind of like it. It's, you know, it destroys a lot more trees, but even if they do decide I'm going to look this up and write it down, at least they had to write it down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're still getting the muscle memory at least. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of issues with that. There was a, uh, someone in college submitting a paper and their work got flagged as AI. And they're like, that was just a summary of the book. Of course, it's going to sound like other shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was the first fucking paragraph. Like, yeah, that's going to sound similar across a lot of people's papers. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. But like, it was an automatic rejection and there was no like back and forth process. It was like, oh, you can't submit this. Yeah. That's, there's got to be a way, even if you, you, so you could be fair, fairly draconian about it and say, okay, well, Here's this program. Docs doesn't do this 100%, but some sort something similar to version history. We can just be like record, you know, hit screen cap and have it like like basically record your keystrokes, I don't know. Oh god, I hate that though. Just within that window. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, but <laughs> I don't trust anything technology. <laughs> not after the shit I've read. <laughs> it's not proof. I mean, you can go do the chat GPT version and then type it out. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could have a second screen just like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. But it's, that's when you're saying about critical thinking. I think one part that is annoying is when you do get still, I'll, I'll still get handwritten ones that are like, Hey, you didn't write this, but you did turn it in and I'm not going to play Sherlock Holmes. You know, they don't pay me to be a cop. So you're good but i know you didn't really get as much as you could have from that yeah that sucks man and then in addition to you were talking about the testing thing i think that's detrimental but the big thing is having to try to woo parents who basically try to do anything you can to please them to keep your graduation rates going to keep you know winning the approval of people because they're really trying to put you under the chopping block like in Texas here, there's a big push in our upcoming legislative session for charter schools. Ugh, fuck that. Yeah. Well, Abbott really wants it to go. You know, your right-wing Republicans really want... The only kind of bulwark against it, in addition to most of the Democrats... So say most, there was this stupid... I don't... It was some local outfit. They were interviewing this... Democratic lawmaker, and they were like, oh, Democratic lawmaker says maybe we should compromise on vouchers, something like Fuck that. Fuck off. And then in the article, it's like, you know, oh, yeah, we need to, you know, we need to do this for students, blah, 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 blah. So and so, who founded a charter school? <laughs> <laughs> okay, a bit of a vested interest there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just saying the government should erect a statue in my honor. That's all. I just, I, just, I would like some money, okay? <laughs> Uh, oh, so not all, you know, Texas Democrats are opposed to it, but the, I think the most important block is rural Republicans. Mm, that's right. Because no one's going to go build a charter school out in fucking nowhere. Yeah. And so they're like, well, this is just going to lose money to the county school, which is the only thing here. Oof, man. Yeah, we've talked before. Those are a fucking racket. Never be in favor of charter schools. Yeah. They're just stealing money from your public schools. It's just money laundering. Yeah. Uh, speaking of education, that, that brings me to my last point, which is, <laughs> uh, I love, let's end the, the episode by dunking on liberals. It's a fun pastime. 
So have you noticed this trend in liberal fictional media? What is that? Such as like Ted Lasso? Such, such as the West Wing. Oh, okay. Such as the movie Dave. <laughs> have you seen Dave? No, I still haven't seen Dave. Oh, it's it's bad, but it's good. Uh, <laughs> you, you won't like it, but you'll like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Ignore the politics. There is an idea of like a silver bullet. I remember like this. I think like every season of West Wing, there was a new one of like, this is going to fix everything. <laughs> like I remember they're like education. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to just make it all about that. And that was their big fucking idea, right? Yeah. And, and with Dave, his thing is jobs. He's like, I'm going to get everybody a job, and that's going to fix everything. <laughs> well, fucker, I got two. What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I have, like, so many right now. I, I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, it's... I just think it's a really fascinating mindset of, like, they're constantly scrambling. And West Wing is, is you know, I think because it's a television show, and they're, you know... And, and because it reflects, like platforms of like oh maybe this will be popular so (laughs) but you know you see it in real life too of everyone saying oh this is going to be the thing you know this is our new our new thing to focus on with west wing was often like someone has a personal like fucking axe to grind about it you know that was always a very funny part of the show to me it's like nothing ever mentioned about this issue at all and then as soon as it, it's brought up bam cj's like what the <laughs> fuck this is the one thing i care about you know like or, yeah my uncle's a dairy farmer god damn it yeah like toby <laughs> you know tries to like leak to the media or something drastic like just fuck this like administration his brother's I'm an astronaut t- or something yeah <laughs> so weird like they just so weird. they're ready to turn coat at any second for that one pet <laughs> Topic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Everyone has a pet project. And I just, I think it's really funny. I mean, funny slash terrible, but like, I think people get this way. And I think that's why you have so many like nonprofits and, and different organizations that are like, this is what we want to focus on. Like single issue? And single issue people. Yeah. I mean, you can do that, but guess, guess what issue you have to pick? <laughs> well, that's what idealist non-materialist thinking no class analysis will do to your brain yeah you get convinced this is the most important thing like even like i almost get education of like yeah sure it starts with the kids whatever Mm. but like you can't you can't take the capitalism out of it like we just fucking talked about charter schools like you can't just like quote unquote fix education without getting rid of capitalism yeah and one of the big reasons that education struggles as much as it does is because of all the social services offloaded onto it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're only addressing education, yeah, you may manage to get these well-funded, you know, daycares, schools, hospitals, you know, free clinics, cafeterias, like, you know, all these services rolled into one, but it's, it's still like, I don't know, nibbling at the edges of what you really need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, what happens when those kids turn 18? You're like, well, f- fuck you, yeah, I guess. At that point. <laughs> or what happens when their parents are like, hey, I can't afford rent, but I'm glad my kid gets to eat. Like, what the fuck? Yep. I mean, we have in Texas, uh, uh, this may be a federal law and whatever, but uh, it's a law saying that homeless children, you know, are entitled to public education, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called like the McKinney-Vento Act or something. So kids who are in that situation, they're coded as a McKinney Vento, and that's sort of a way to like talk about it without talking about it. But like, 
the you know the school provides them with you know some things and like so uh, our district does things like uh send food home and stuff over breaks because they're not going to have as yeah. much access but all of what we do i feel like is just harm reduction just like band-aid stuff totally it's definitely not the place you want to try to solve all your problems at like you can't do that yeah yeah i mean i'm even you know i'm, I'm writing up notes for surveillance capitalism and and my notes are at the point where they're way too fucking long. I'm just going to have to do an entirely new draft of notes. <laughs> and I'm trying to think like, okay, how do I boil this down? Because like, to me, the juicy stuff is like the examples, right? Like that's like the stuff you get outraged about and you're like, well, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would actually be relevant or helpful for our episodes and for our kind of message to focus on the individual Act. It, it would be more impactful to treat it more like a theory episode, I think. So yeah. I, I'm also just spitballing. I'm now, you, listeners, you're just getting brainstorming. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. I think obviously some examples are going to be useful, but definitely, I'm just going to try to trim them like in half. <laughs> and basically, I'll be like, "Hey, if you ever want to hear some nasty shit, just tell me. I'll have some." Like if you're like, "Oh, like what?" I'll tell you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's just when you try to reduce problems to like it, it does become harm man or harm management. That's not the word. Harm reduction in pretty much every arena. You know, environmentally, education, like anything oh, yeah. becomes. I'm just trying to like plug the fucking you know the dikes exploding. I'm just trying to like put the piece of flex tape over it. That's a very <laughs> good point. That's a that's a great way to to state it. Is liberalism. This notion, that, so again, you don't have a class analysis. You're just saying, where are the problems that I can solve? Dang it. You know, that's, you know, the old kind of trope, let's roll up our sleeves and solve some dang problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, when you when you do that and you're picking everything, one here's, here's a problem, let's solve it. And you're not dealing with the myriad of things, you know, the same bad guy with the twirly mustache that we always talk about <laughs> that's fucking Guess up. Guess what? There's going to be... There's going to be more problems later. Yeah, because that's just one symptom of his buckery, right? Uh, and it's his, for sure. There will always be more problems to solve. And two, like, the bad guy is fundamentally required by his status, by his way of life, to create more problems and push back and to erode whatever work you just did. Like, that is just the nature of the game. Like, you can't win. Exactly. What we're really talking about here is not just liberalism but you could go further to social democracy mm-hmm. it's fundamental weakness and we don't mean old school Ro- rosa luxembourg style the social no, democracy no. meaning like <laughs> the socialist movement, germans <laughs> but like you know the weak you know le- the furthest left stop in capitalism social democracy uh you know reform win big reforms to basically give people socialism light while maintaining the capitalist engine. If you don't take the engine, eventually you're going to be driven back. And if you don't take power, if you don't abolish the state, if you don't abolish capitalism, it's going to undermine you. And we've seen, you know, not full on social democracy, but social democratic ish reforms within the United States history in the 20th century, uh, get nearly completely or completely wiped out. Because the forces of reaction come back and they fight against, I mean, we still got people fighting against not only the great society reforms of the sixties, but fighting against the new deal. Now, 
you know, trying to unravel that now. Trying to bring us back to the Gilded Age. It is a constant erosion of rights and and services. And yeah, you can't fucking turn your back for a second. No, and you're, you're going to be constantly, you constantly have to be vigilant. And you're still going to lose ground if you decide you're going to do this within the capitalist framework within the, the, the framework of, you know, uh, we're just going to do bourgeois democracy, bourgeois reforms. If you're, if you're content to play within those rules, they're going to use those rules or sometimes break them if they want. I mean, we've seen with the kind of rise of fascist tendencies, they're not always even going to play by the rules, but to the extent <laughs> nope. that they can, they will still use them to tear, tear down what gains you make, no matter how vigilant you are. And so it's better, I think, just to do the damn thing when you can. And I mean, I'm not opposed, I guess, to the reforms in the meantime. Yeah. But you also have to, I guess this is rephrasing the minimalist maximalist thing, right? Or the minimum program, maximum program thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Of like minimum, like we need this. These are the reforms we have to get, but then this is what we're actually aiming for. You know? I mean, I think that's one of the reasons you see a huge level of burnout in nonprofit spaces. I mean, one, usually the pay is very bad unless you're up top. But I wonder what it feels like to be up against that every day, you know, just seeing your work undone or just stopped at every turn, you know? Yeah. Got to be demoralizing. It's really got to be. Like, I I, I don't know. It, it seems like a really from what I've read, a pretty predatory area of like, they really are playing on people's passions and empathy and using that as a way to like not pay them very much and like overwork them and, you know, be like, well, you're working on a, for a good cause. So. Yeah. And then in addition, not even, I mean, sometimes kind of tread water. Like that's another thing I think is like, not just, Oh, you get to see, you know, you see your work deliberately stymied by your enemies or, deliberately rolled back by your enemies but also to see like your own organization like not do as much as it could because it doesn't want to upset people or we still Mm got to get the funding and so you see them kind of like muddle because they think they're doing you know the lesser evil sort of thing and but you're like why are we doing this you know like uh, i guess we're both speculating here because neither one of us have really been involved in that but i mean yeah no (laughs) yeah true so let us know if you have a radically different experience but and I'm, we apologize I'm very curious. if you are a non-profit worker and you did not <laughs> consent to us conceptualizing <laughs> of your job in that way i'm sorry no more. need to do self-imagination <laughs> imagination imagination is assault that's what we're gonna say now it's violence it's immoral <laughs> you can't imagine things <laughs> delete your fanfic garrett no fiction at all fan fiction or not fiction or regular right. fiction ben question can I play video games? Someone already did the fiction stuff for Mm-mm. me. I'm just making choices. No, that's, that's, but they made the fiction. Asterion did not consent to getting fucked nine ways out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, uh, that, everyone is so horny for that little twink. I, I, I leave him at camp. Cause he's terrible. I heard. Oh, I don't know. I, he, I just, he's kind of annoying. I'm just like, eh. Everyone says his approval is really hard to get. Cause he's like evil. Ah, uh. But and then I also read that one of the writers or creators or somebody based him on a cat. And I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's just like out for number one. (laughs) Yeah, that's like so we have a D&D game where my wife has made it has made a character based (laughs) on one of our cats and rice. uh, And we 
just she's you know she's the antagonist of our party yeah she's very arrogant um and steals things yeah it does crimes does a lot of crime sneaky rogue you know and we discovered because we've been watching some futurama she's just bender <gasps> she really is <laughs> like yeah he's so full of himself and everything <laughs> and bender's the greatest completely yeah. selfish so yeah <laughs> i guess Asturian maybe is he might be part bender as well yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see i still haven't played i need to i need, really need to i want to play the D dating sim <laughs> yeah you gotta get set up on kyle saying i still haven't played very much but uh, when i do i just roll with my harem um we got shadow heart i got shadow heart i got um oh the gith lady oh i don't know her name Lazael. Lazael. Yeah, yeah yeah that's it and um Fireheart lady. Uh, oh, Carlac. Carlac, yeah. Everyone's horny for her, too, which I get. Oh, she's got a dope accent. She's on fire. Literally hot. Okay. Well, next week, we're wrapping up our theory stuff on democratic centralism. We're going to look at who's not okay with it. Who's like, this stuff sucks. So we'll do that next week. And I don't know. I don't have a, a, a snippy ending, so bye, I guess. I do. All right, let's hear it. Man Alnar, Ela Albar. There we go. <laughs> Stand with the people of Palestine. Please do it. All right, see you next week. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up and coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all. <laughs>